Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to answer the question, how good is Gordon Ryan? This is an interesting question that I've been thinking a lot about the past couple of days. How good is Gordon? Did you guys watch the Who's Number One event from last week? If you did, you saw some awesome matches. You guys know I'm a big fan of Who's Number One. They always have the top talent there competing. This show was no different. It was great. Now, the main event was Craig Jones versus Tyra Tolo. And this match interests me for a couple of reasons. The first and biggest being that since Gordon has retired, and I'm using air quotations around that word retired because I believe he's going to be back at some point. Now, who knows when that will be? But as long as he's out, most people think that Craig is the best guy. If you ask somebody, who's the best no-gi grappler? Who's the best sub-only grappler? Gordon's not in the mix. Well, it's got to be Craig Jones. That's what everybody's saying. And in his first showcase in that role, last month at Who's Number One, he was the main event against Luis Ponza. That's where Gordon was supposed to face Luis. He had to pull out. Craig takes his place, and he submits Luis Ponza in under 30 seconds. Absolutely murders him. And it's a lot quicker than Gordon would have submitted uh, Luis Ponza. So a lot of people are like, look, there's the evidence. Craig is the man now. Craig is the dude. The guys at Flow Grappling set this match up against Ty. And I'm really intrigued because I know Ty's got a really compelling style that gives leg lockers and it's given some of the other DDS guys trouble. And he's undefeated against some of the uh, against a couple of the other DDS products. If you listen to Gordon talk about his brother, he claims that his brother is capable of winning 80, the ADCC Absolute next year. And so watching Ty beat Nikki really made me, you know, first question how good Ty was. And made me realize that Ty's a top 10 pound-for-pound grappler in the world. He is in that pound-for-pound rankings. And he's got the style to give Craig a lot of trouble. And I was expecting this match to be a really close match. I was going to be shocked if Craig went out there and just dominated him. What really worried me about this matchup was the weight difference. And I didn't realize how big a weight difference there actually was between Ty, uh, Ty and Craig. I thought Ty was closer to 185, 190. But when he weighed in, on the day of the event, he weighed 177 pounds. Craig Jones weighed in at 207. And this worried me. You guys heard last week that I ended up changing my prediction last second that I thought Craig was going to get the victory due to the size difference. And that's kind of what happened. Craig had a decent performance. Definitely wasn't one of his best performances. It was a good match. It was an exciting match. It was close. Craig dominated positionally. He won all of or most of the wrestling exchanges. He ended up on top. He passed the guard one time and he had two looks at submissions. One was a knee bar that Ty quickly uh, moved out of and the other was a 50-50 heel hook entry where he was looking for the heel but he never got close to that either. Ty played most of the time from the bottom position. Now, Ty actually threw up more offensive submissions at Craig. Now, again, nothing was close, but probably the closest submission of 
that match was one of Ty Rotolo's buggy choke attempts. The first time that Craig passed, Ty immediately threw up a buggy choke. And I'm wondering, I'm questioning, if Craig hadn't seen his brother hit that movement earlier that night, I wonder if he would have been aware of that, if he would have been looking for it. But it was on everybody's mind because Cade Rutolo had just finished his opponent with a super slick entry into the buggy choke. Definitely a move you should start to pay attention to and possibly learn. But Craig's aware of it. And so Craig does a great job defending, but that was probably the closest submission. Ty threw up a couple of other buggy chokes. None of them were close. He had a decent little entry into a knee bar. We saw him destroy one of the Meow Brothers' knees with the knee bar, so we know he's capable of putting a knee bar on his opponent that causes serious damage, and Craig had to respect that. He even said afterwards that, like, yeah, we both had good knee bar attempts. He had a couple of buggy choke attempts. He threw up some other stuff, but nothing was that close. I dominated positionally, and that's what he did. But the whole time I'm watching that match and the other matches, I remember uh, thinking during Mikey Musumichi's match. So Mikey, you guys know he's one of the hottest no-gi prospects right now, and I say prospect because he just really didn't do no-gi prior to a couple of months ago. He was the best gi practitioner in the lower weight classes. He was dominant, definitely the best gi practitioner, uh, American gi practitioner ever, just dominated the lower weight classes at black belt, makes his um, move and switch over to no gi, has two dominant performances, and he has a matchup against the number five rank Juni Ocasio. And Juni is a Unity product, and he is a leg lock specialist. Well, Mikey went in there with the intention of testing his leg game. He went after Juni's legs. And he didn't get the submission, but he looked like the better leg locker. He caused a little bit of damage to Juni's legs. Juni was visibly limping during the match. Um, Mikey has a devastating straight ankle lock, and that straight ankle lock is what caused the damage. He had some really cool backside 50-50 entries. He got into 50-50 a couple of times and just never really got close. Towards the end of the match, he finally decided to play the top position and he finished the match with Juni in an anaconda choke. I believe that if he had 20, 30 more seconds to finish that choke, he would have finished. He probably needed to make one adjustment. I think he was saying he needed to make one adjustment, and then he would have finished it, but didn't get the finish. Goes to the uh, goes to the judge's decision, and he gets the unanimous victory. But both those guys are kind of the guys everybody's talking about right now in the no-gi scene. Like, Gordon's not out. Who's the best pound-for-pound guy? Is it Mikey? Is it Craig? And both guys had underwhelming performances. Mikey gave himself a 3 out of 10. Craig, he, in my opinion, a lot of what he was saying were, were kind of excuses. You know, he, he said a lot about how he wanted to showcase his counter wrestling because he's got this DVD out and he wanted to show he was more than a leg locker. But looking from seeing him put Ty in the 50-50 position, it looked like he was going to have a lot of trouble finishing Ty with a leg lock. And he did not want to end up on bottom. He did not want to test Ty's passing game. I think he was really worried about getting exhausted because he had seen his really, really talented teammates, Oliver Taza and Nikki Ryan, just get absolutely 
ran over because of Ty's passing style. So he was like, look, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm pretty good on my feet, I'm going to end up in the top position, and I'm going to force him to play the guard, which was a great strategy. But I just could not stop thinking about how Gordon would have murdered Ty, how Gordon is just so much better than everybody competing today. He is levels better than everyone. It's really crazy to think about, especially now that he's gone and he's, he's kind of absent from the scene. You can see there's a big hole left. There's a lot of really competitive matches to make. Who's the number one pound-for-pound guy? I think there's a lot of question marks. But when Gordon's competing, there is no question mark. He's doing things that are special, that nobody else can do. He would have taken Ty down pinned tied to the ground, passed his guard, and submitted him with four or five movements. I mean, whatever he had chosen for that night's event, if whether it was triangle choke or rear naked or arm bar, he would have chosen one of those movements, and that's what he would have got. He would have exposed Ty Rotolo. And a lot of people would have been going, well, it's because he's 40, 50 pounds bigger than Ty, and yes, that's an argument. But Craig was 30 pounds bigger, and that's not what happened. They had a good close match. Again, Craig obviously won, but it definitely wasn't a blowout like it would have been against Gordon. Gordon makes his opponents give up. And what he does is very similar to what Khabib did. If you watched Khabib fight, and there was just something about his style. He took the will from his opponents. His opponents just gave up. You could see it in their eyes. And that's what Gordon was doing towards the end. His past couple of performances, if you looked at Wagner Rocha, if you looked at Roberto, I mean, they just wanted out of there. And yes, they're samurais, they're warriors, just like everybody that competed and lost to Khabib was, right? They're the toughest dudes in the world. But there's something about being stuck on bottom, that helpless feeling that you can't do anything to escape, that makes your mind start to break. And that's what Gordon was doing. He was breaking everyone. And it was incredible to watch. He was, again, doing it like it was the like it was just training, like he was going against a purple belt. I mean, what he did to Wagner Rocha was just insane. What he did to Mateus Denise was insane. If you go back and watch those performances, especially in light of him not being around and watching this last Who's Number One event, because again, it's titled Who's Number One because each event they're having the best guys compete for that number one spot, whether it's their pound for pound ranking or their, um, if, if it's just their weight division ranking. But go back and watch Gordon, what he was doing. And I started really thinking and asking myself, is Gordon truly the no-gi goat? Because this is a question I hadn't taken too seriously until a couple of weeks ago, and especially after this weekend, it really made me think about it a lot. Now, Gordon's been uh, claiming no-gi goat status for, honestly, really since he double-golded at this last ADCC. And a lot of people have been skeptical of those claims. Now, obviously, he's got his fans that are like, yes, he is the no-gi goat. He's the best no-gi grappler. But, again, a lot of people were skeptical of that. And I was one of those. I knew he was the best guy in the world, but I didn't know by how much he was the best guy in the world. Because even at that ADCC in 2019, he had two close matches. Now, the one really close match, in my opinion, was the Hulk Barboza match. 
Hulk had Gordon. I mean, he almost scored on Gordon. That match was was really close. Now, at the end, Gordon ended up doing a beautiful back take, finished the match on Luke's, Lucas uh, Barboza's back, and he would have got the submission if there was a minute or two. He definitely would have finished uh, Hulk Barboza. But Gordon got he got pretty close to being scored on a couple of times during that match. And if Hulk had scored, he then would have started playing some anti-wrestling and just looked to stall, and he might have beat Gordon in that match. Now, in the finals of the Absolute, he faced Buchecha, but I don't really think that was a close match. He ended up winning by a negative point, but that was just because Buchecha wouldn't engage. Buchecha felt how much better Gordon was than him, and... He didn't want to get submitted. And so he just played on the edges, and Gordon ended up winning by kind of default. But he had one really close match. So again, how good was he? He didn't face Felipe Pena, didn't face Andre Galvao. Is he levels better than those guys? I didn't know. But after watching this weekend, I, it's I'm very aware, and I, I'm pretty sure that Gordon is multiple levels better than everyone competing right now. Any name you throw out there, it's just not a competitive matchup, especially if you're talking about, hey, this is no time limit sub only. Hey, this is a sub only matchup. The only way you can win is by threatening a submission. Now, Felipe Pena is the only guy that has an argument, but their matches were so long ago. And the way that we've seen Gordon develop over the past five years, it's just been remarkable. He continuously gets better. This guy's not even near his prime. And he continues to find ways to improve his game. And we're seeing that with other grapplers, right? Like we're seeing Mikey Musumichi. We're seeing him evolve right now. We're seeing him add leg locks. And his leg locks look good. We're seeing Craig Josie evolve. Now Craig has played. We've seen him play the top position. But he's definitely added some layers to his game. His top game looked, you know, it looked good. It looked heavy. His counter-wrestling looked good. I liked some of the stuff he was really using, like Uchi Mata to front headlock stuff. I mean, he looked good on his feet. I'm interested in seeing him in this ADCC. But that match, it left a lot of question marks about Craig. Like, can Craig win ADCC gold? Like, if he doesn't get the submission, can he win by points against a guy like Mateus Denise? Against Hulk Barboza? I don't know. I'm questioning that right now. I don't think Craig is winning gold. From what I saw, I think Craig still has some work to do before I can really say he's the favorite to win this next and upcoming ADCC. But Gordon, in my mind, is an automatic double gold. He goes there, he's winning double gold. Now, he might lose again just like by some freak, like some guy walks around the edges and, and gets like a last-second takedown or gets some, you know, kind of bullcrap decision, but he's the betting favorite, and he's going to do it in style. So now I'm asking myself, is he the Nogi Goat? And I was really thinking a lot about, you know, four or five names. You know, you've got Hoffa Mendez. You've got um, Hajar Gracie, Marcelo Garcia. Those are like the three big ones in my mind when we're talking about no gi and just grappling in general. You know, you could throw Shanji Abario in there, but that's really it. And only one name sticks out from that list, and that's Hajar Gracie. And I think Hajar Gracie's the most slept on grappler of all time. 
Now, a lot of people, especially if you, you're part of the older generation, you've been training 10-plus years, most people will still say Hodger Gracie is the best guy. It's usually going to be Hodger or Marcelo. You'll hear some of the newer people that have been training five, six, seven years. A lot of people say like Hoffa Mendez and Marcelo. Very few of those guys say Hodger Gracie. And then new school people, it's pretty much all Gordon Wright. But people are sleeping on what Hodger Gracie accomplished. He was doing what Gordon was doing way before Gordon. And in some ways, it was more impressive. Now, Gordon has started calling his submissions. We've never seen somebody be able to do that, where he's going into his matchups and going, yeah, I'm going to triangle choke Wagner Rocha. I'm going to armbar Roberto Jimenez. Like, that's insane that he can call out submissions. But Hodger was basically doing that. In 2005, Hodger had the greatest ADCC run of all time. He accomplished what Gordon couldn't. He went eight for eight in his ADCC matches. So he had eight matches and he finished with eight submissions. And he fought a who's who's of greats. I mean, he beat Fabricio Verdum. He beat Shanji Abario twice. He beat Eduardo Tellez. He beat Jacques Array. Insane. That's an insane lineup. And he finished all of his matches, almost all of them by rear naked choke. So it was almost like he told every single dude, like, watch this match. What I did to this guy, I'm going to do to you. He would get on top. He would break the guard. And by break, I mean, really, he would break his opponent's soul. His jujitsu has always looked really simple. Like He just gets on top. He crushes the guy, passes the guard, takes the back and chokes him does that over and over and over again. He made his opponents look like purple belts, and that's what Gordon's doing. Gordon has taken a page out of what Hodger Gracie did. He's taken this negation game to Hodger Gracie level, where he's not allowing his opponents to move. He's crushing them. They feel they can't escape. They feel they can't move. They start making errors, and those errors just get bigger and bigger and bigger until Gordon finishes. Same thing Hodger did. And it's really cool to really look back now at what Hodger did. I implore you guys, go please and watch some of Hodger Gracie's old matches. Check out that ADCC run. Check out his 2010 World Championship performance. He was submitting everybody with pretty much the same two or three movements. Everybody knew what was going to happen. He could have written in a card, uh, he could have written, uh, you know, in a in a little card that you know he was going to rear naked choke this guy, and he, that's what he would have done. His opponents knew what was coming, just like Khabib. Every one of Khabib's opponents knew what he was going to do; they couldn't stop it. Every single one of Hodger's opponents knew what he was going to do; couldn't stop it. Now, every single one of Gordon Ryan's opponents know what he's going to do and knew what he was going to do, and they couldn't stop it. And so it kind of saddens me to see Gordon, you know, out of the game right now, because I really think we're missing out on just so many special performances. There's so much to study and watch from a guy that's doing that. But is he the Nogi goat? Because I just said, Hodger Gracie did it and did it before he did. Now, he never called a submission, but honestly, he might as well have. And he did it in Gi and Nogi. Now, the big thing against Hajar is he does nowhere many matches. So he has no, nowhere as many matches as Gordon does in Nogi. Most of his performances were in the Gi. 
And really, outside of his ADCC performances, he, he didn't compete Nogi. Now, he competed at MMA, and he had a decent career in MMA. He definitely didn't do what most people thought. Most people thought he was going to go in and just become the UFC champion. He is the greatest Gracie of all time. And people thought that since he was the greatest Gracie, he was just going to go in there and basically walk his way to the title. He was going to use his jiu-jitsu to get on top and just crush people. But he honestly got outgrappled in a couple of his uh, MMA fights. And, uh, and there's no shame in that because we know MMA is much different. And as the sports continue to evolve, like just because you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu superstar or a grappling superstar doesn't necessarily mean you're going to walk your way into anything. I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done and a lot of evolution uh, and evolving that your game has to do for you to become an MMA champion or even just a top five contender. But Gordon, you know, he's on his way, right? And I got to give him the edge over Hosher just because he's got way more matches. But I don't think he's that much better than Hosher. I would love to see those two compete because they both are doing very, very similar things. And like, and again, Gordon, I wonder how much of his game he took from Hodger. How much of just watching him, how much of Donahue watching him just going, okay, this is the way. This guy was submitting everybody, and that's what we want to do. So let's just start to copy what he did. Force half guard. Start forcing top pin dilemmas. Start exposing your opponent's limbs, whether it's an arm or or a leg or a neck, because they just can't move. And so they're having to really expose themselves to try and get an inch of space back. And even then, they're not finding that space. And then now they're exposed. Now they're getting submitted. Hajer had, in 2010, one of the best. So he's had two tournaments where he basically was untouchable. Now, Gordon's had that, but not to the level Hajer did. Hajer in the 2010 World Championships finished all of his matches by the same move. A choke from the back in the gi. So this is in the gi. He finished the exact same move on everybody. And in the finals of his weight class, he faced Cyborg Abreu where he ended up beating Cyborg 13-2. So that's the one match he didn't finish. But to me, it's crazy. He finished everybody with the most dominant move. He passed their guard, took their back, and finished them with the same choke at the World Championships. And we're talking about eight-plus matches. I can't remember if it's seven, eight, nine, something like that. A bunch of matches. Same move. Same game plan. And he finished his career. So if you just looked at how he finished his career, that match he had against Buchecha, that super fight. So his last match. This is the match everybody is calling for because this is when Buchecha was the man. You know, a lot of people, especially now that Buchecha is kind of out of the grappling scene because he's focused on MMA and, and really dominating at One FC. I think he's at One FC, but regardless, Buchecha was winning all these world championships. He had broken a lot of Hodger's records, just in world titles. So people were calling for this match to really determine who the Gi Goat was. And they had a match in 2017. It's free on YouTube. Definitely check it out. Hodger absolutely dominates him and finishes with his patented choke from the back. 
Before that, he faced Comprito, tapped him with an arm bar. Kavaka, choke from the back. Tarsus Humphreys, choke from the back. Diego Herzog, choke from the back. Frost Humphrey, choke from the back. Then at that Cyborg match where it was 13-2. And then he has a run of like 12 matches he finished with all submissions. Then he took a loss to Shanji. But then he has another run. He just submitted everybody. And again, both guys have this super high submission rate. But Gordon, if you look at some of his matches, and I'm not quite sure of all the names. Like, you know, there's a bunch of guys that Hodger face that I've never heard of. So I don't know their level. But some of Gordon's matches, um, you know, he had like six matches at this grappling industries at the Arnold Classic. They brought him in to just kind of, you know, have matches with fans or people that were competing that day. And like that day, he faced actually a guy that got his blue belt at 10th point at Decatur. His name was Chad Allen. Um, and he hasn't trained here forever. I don't even know if he still trains at a place. But he ended up competing that day, and obviously Gordon just absolutely dominated him. But he was facing kind of guys like that. So he's got a few guys on his record that were like, you know, blue and purple belt. A couple of the EBIs weren't against the best competition. Um, but at the same time, Gordon has submitted a who's who of guys, and what he's been doing recently has really made me think that, yeah, this guy definitely has an argument to be the Nogi Goat. It's either him or Hajar Gracie. And just because of how much more active he's been than Hajar, I think you got to give it to Gordon Ryan. So I hope we get to see Gordon come out of retirement. Again, air quotations around that word. I think he'll be back. My prediction is he'll definitely be back for ADCC next year. I wouldn't be shocked to see him take the rest of this year off as he continues to kind of navigate his stomach problems. But, man, if he can never compete again, the sport will truly, I mean, this will be like a really, really, really devastating blow. I, I mean, it'd be like losing Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant when they were 25 years old. Like, just imagine LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wins two championships. Well, I guess that's what happened with Michael Jordan. We saw him leave and go for baseball, and everybody just wondered what if. Now, obviously, he came back and won three more championships, but just imagine if he hadn't come back. There always would be that what if, and there will always be a what if surrounding Gordon Ryan. But anytime you see an athlete, whether it's Khabib, Gordon, or Hajar, where they're just taking the souls, where they're just taking the will of their competitors from them, you know that they're doing something different and that they're just levels and levels better and that there's something special about those performances that you know we all really just need to kind of revere and really look to uh, you know really look to improve from watching what they're doing so definitely go back though check Hajar Gracie out if you don't know who I'm talking about Hajar Gracie's the man he was doing a lot of what Gordon was doing before he, you know, before get, Gordon ever stepped on a mat. And he's a guy that, you know, we need to remember and really revere um, in the jiu-jitsu community. Till next time, guys. You guys know I love and appreciate you. Saturday, 10 a.m., the first PGF qualifiers going down in Decatur, Alabama. It should be live. I think it's going to be live. I think I'll be commentating. So far, there's 32 competitors signed up. So we got a 32-man bracket. It's going to be a crazy day. Check it out. Tune in. Watch it with me. Peace.